Hello and welcome back to the Frizz and the Grizz podcasts. It's your boy Trudeau, another week in the books. D, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Happy fucking Monday. Woo! Dude, what a weekend. What a weekend. My goodness. You got to tell me about this weekend, but man, your little slogan, happy Monday. I swear now that I, I have meetings on Monday and every time a meeting starts, I'm like, happy Monday. I still have money. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say it politically correct, man, if you're still working. I ain't dropping the F-bomb. I want to. I want uh, to. I'm going to slip one of these days the and do it in your, uh, in your honor. On my last day when I peace out. I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> happy fucking <laughs> Monday. Walking, peace out. It'll be a happy Monday when I get to peace out and stop working. Uh, how was your weekend, there though? You go. That's the truth. Weekend was straight. Um, we did a decent amount of moving around the shit around the house. We know that's always fun. But a lot of prep for next week, which I know we'll get into us not having our show next week, obviously, because of Halloween. Uh, so it's good to get the kids around to see... Uh, you know, a lot of the decorations that they're going to basically see, you know, come Monday of next week. We are on Monday. We are we are on next week, though, right? Just Tuesday? Yeah, it'll okay. be Monday. It'll be Tuesday of next week. All right. Yeah, just so we don't confuse anyone. Yeah, so we'll be off on Halloween. We'll be back Tuesday. As always, I want to thank the fans, uh, you know, continual support, uh, watching live, uh, you know, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We appreciate and love all y'all. Um, so yes, today sir. will be a fun show. We're going to do a lot of NFL, NBA stuff. Uh, you know, the NBA season just kicked off last week, so there's not a ton to go over, but there are some takeaways that we have. Uh, but first, we did want to jump into the NFL stuff. I, I don't know where you want to start. I have like a long list of of items, action items. Let's just start with the, the latest game last night, the Dolphins-Steelers. Mm-hmm. Right? I did not watch it. Um, I did find some interesting stats about Tua, and I wanted to share them with you in the audience. But, you know, what were your assessments of Tua coming back from the injury? Tua looked good. Um, granted, the first half was different than the second half. I think just like they typically are, the Steelers are going to be annoying to deal with no matter what, who you are. Their defense is always going to be good. That's just what Mike Tomlin teaches uh, that's what he preaches out there. But that first drive, whoo, it looked like Alabama 2.0. He was getting the ball out quick. They even said that he had remnants, like a remnants look of, uh, of San Francisco because of um, Mike McDaniel's ties with when he was, you know, coaching in San Francisco. But getting the ball at the Moster in certain situations, like getting the ball across the middle to Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill was still a nuisance. Mike Kosecki was even in there on some of those catches. And then they even had like a fourth string wide receiver making havoc. Um, which is crazy. Like I said, they got the weapons. As long as two is getting the ball out quick, which I'm sure you're going to dive into a bunch of that stuff. Like that team is going to be tough. Granted, second half, it was a little bit tighter of a game. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure like you had mentioned off air, I think they were taking away the middle of the field. So granted, again, his first game back, I think he looked really good. They picked up where they left off. They're still winning with them. So I think Dolphins, as long as he stays healthy <laughs> in the first drive, he literally scrambled to the right, lowered the shoulder and tried to run over somebody. Everybody's like, dude, you're just coming back from a concussion. What are you doing? <laughs> just slide next time. But he's a gamer. He's a baller. So I got nothing but love for him doing that. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously good to see him back healthy. And the first drive, obviously, is a very good sign for things to come. They looked sharp. It's obviously night and day from when they had the combination of Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. This is a much more competent team. We're seeing, we saw in the first three three weeks, this team is obviously a team to be reckoned with. You know, without Tua, there's a huge dive. I thought interesting, you know, people have their opinions, good or bad, on Tua. He's a very polarizing figure for some reason. And I I was diving into the numbers today to kind of figure out I, this wasn't I was doing an exercise not for two just to kind of see where we are as far as NFL is concerned, um, 
And statistically, two has been phenomenal thus far, including last night and the uh, the rest of the season. So um, QBR, he's third overall, only behind, obviously, the two big dogs in Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, the court, the generic quarterback rating, he's third. Um, he's six in completion percentage, which I found a little surprising because people think of Tua um, as kind of like a completion percentage monster. He's doing a lot, a lot of little checkdowns. And honestly, when I thought of why Tua's QBR is so high, I'm thinking maybe he has a high completion percentage and he's just dinking and dunking and getting, you know, high completion sure percentage. Yeah. The thing that I want to stress to you in the audience that I was completely a you know, shocked by Tua ranks number one in the league in one stat that I found completely shocking. Do you have any guesses what that would be? I'm going to guess the way that you're leading this up to it's yard per pass. Yeah. He's actually leading the league in yards per attempt, which is like bananas. I think it's like 8.7 yards per attempt. He ranked, I think last year, somewhere around 20th to 25th. So he was utilizing those short passing game and, I think this is the, the the difference of why they probably brought in Mike McDaniels, where I love Coach Flo, right? I thought he he did a great job with that team. Obviously, a defensive-minded coach. But McDaniels is kind of unlocking his potential a little bit. And you're seeing Tua open up a little more, throw the ball downfield. And when he's there, 4-0 as a as, you know, full-time, full-time starter. So clearly, he's unlocked something. Getting the ball downfield, he's top five in QBR and all the, all the stats. So... I know we haven't seen two in a while, so we're kind of like numb to this, but he's been very good. He's still very good. And this team is going to go where he takes them. Part of that, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. Um, granted, I, I think there are some of the throws that he could. And I, I like Tua. That's all. I am a Tua defender. Some of the throws you could see, he just needs a little bit more oomph into it. But his yards per attempt are going to go up. Yeah. He has two of the scariest wide receivers in the NFL on his team. And, you know, we saw it last night where people are just afraid of streaks. They're just afraid that they're just lining up and they're like, oh, my goodness, these dudes are just going to sprint as fast as they can. And then all of a sudden they run a post or an out. So there's so much cushion behind that. And I know that he's talking about his quarterback. So, like, he's going to say it. But Tyreek Hill said in the offseason that Tua was more accurate than, than Patrick Holmes. I don't believe that, obviously, but we know based off of what he did when he was at Alabama and the couple of years that he did leading up to this year, obviously, he was still an accurate quarterback. It was just arm strength that everybody was talking about. So now that he has the threat of throwing it deep, he can just bucket Tyreek's down there somewhere. Like, he can do that, and, like, playmakers make a play. So, like, Tyreek Hill is coming up big, Gusecki and – and uh, and Waddle are showing are showing wonders right now for that offense, and again, I think the Dolphins are going to be something tough. Just the, one of those teams that you just don't want to play, you know, on a random Sunday. You just don't want to come across having to cover those dudes. So then, a, a positive, obviously, you know, without Tua, they they dropped the last two. They're now four and three. On the positive side for this team going forward, the next couple of games look extremely easy. You have in order: Lions, Bears, Browns. Texans four games that I don't want three and one right there. It's, it's still the NFL. It's going to be tough, but like, yeah, you could definitely go three and one, maybe four and oh, if you kind of capture some of that re that magic from the early season, you go three and one. What are you seven and what? Seven and four. Like you're right back in the yeah. driver's seat. So I, I feel very good still about this dolphins team. My only concern and outside, like outside of two getting hurt, I think one of it's weird to say, but one of their 
weaker positions as far as depth's concerned is wide receiver. Like they have probably, in my opinion, the two best wide receivers, one and two, as far as like a tandem in the league. But after that, three, four, and five, you got really not a lot of help. And I just hope that Waddle and Hill can continue to stay healthy because it becomes very hard when you get that Cooper Cup treatment in LA. Like we saw Cooper mm-hmm. Cup put up historic numbers last year. And now that he's like the only guy, he's getting a lot of double teams. The safeties are cheating over to help. If Waddle or Hill is out, that offense might have a tough time clicking because you're going to see a lot of heavy, heavy coverage schemes to to tie up the other one, whoever doesn't get hurt. Yeah, that's, again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to yeah. and, and drag the Dolphins too long, but yeah, it, they they have to stay healthy. Um, Sherfield or Sheffield, Sherfield is their three. Never even heard of them until last night when they even said it. Like, oh, Sherfield with the catch, and everybody's like, who? Uh, so yeah, they have to stay healthy. But those type of wide receivers, they don't take big hits. So as long as they don't mess up anything with their legs, I think they should be good. Yeah, um, and then just really really quick, just touch on the Steelers side. I don't know if Pickett's the answer at quarterback. I think if they if they finish with a top five to seven pick, they might be looking again at quarterback. I know that's a really quick turnaround, but we've seen this in Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. I forget the guy's name that they drafted in the, with the, in the first round. Um, Rosen, Rosen, Josh Rosen. And they moved on quickly. Uh, he just has a lot of a lot of turnover issues, and he's not really moving the needle for the team. So we'll see. Um, he's not playing as fast as he played when he was in Pitt. That's that's to me the the thing. and again it's the NFL so it's much quicker and we can move on after but he's not playing athletic quarterback like mm-hmm. he did when he was at Pitt he's not moving around because people are just as fast as he is obviously yeah and just to, to put a bow on that like sometimes with the younger quarterbacks you give them time to develop but he's also like I think twenty five or twenty four twenty five right now he was a super senior so mm-hmm. he's kind of already yeah. close to that that plateau all right. There's a lot of games we can touch on. I feel like people kind of complain about this slate of NFL games that there wasn't anything super special. Um, you know, I did think there was a lot of close games, and in particular, I watched a lot of Browns Ravens because, like, obviously we're Team Lamar here at the Frizz and the Grizz podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm still Team Lamar, but I'm I'm getting a little shaky about being Team Lamar just because I'm I'm almost at the point where to listen to start the season after week one and two, I was like, see, you got it. You should have gave that man that bag, like give him his money. And now uh, I'm like, maybe it was a good idea to kind of play this out another year and see how this goes, because this team's had a tough time closing games out, right? Like that's kind of been their Achilles heel heel all season. They've gotten big leads. They haven't been able to maintain those leads. Um, Lamar's not really leading them on those big eating drives where you take up five minutes, six minutes at the end of the game off the clock. So I, I just, I'm shaky on this team. I'm shaky on, on Lamar. Can you kind of like put some good energy in me and like turn me around on this? Yeah, Lamar's going to do Lamar things. He's going to try to be Superman. That team is not constructed to win. And I don't care what anybody says. Like Bateman is their their best wide receiver. Granted, Andrews is going to do as much as he can, but he's still a blocking tight end. He makes some great plays, but he's still a physical blocking tight end. He's not stretching the field like Kelsey or stretching the field like a Gronk in his heyday. So, like, you really don't have an offensive threat. They're still running through running backs. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, what's it? Who's the J.K. LT? Dobbins just went down. Yeah, and Latavius Murray was back out there. Like, like this just like it's a revolving door in the backfield. You're throwing for it to be his contract, and this is an excuse. He still has to step up. Like, if he wants the money, he's got to do his thing. And, re- like, I'm not making an excuse for him, but you got to realize how bad that team is. And they're still bad defensively. Even if you have a good game, 
they're still a very bad defense. And like having everything go not against him, but just like he's fighting an uphill battle, it's gonna be tough. And he he has to step up. We have to see the Superman that we know he can be making those athletic, explosive plays. There's like snippets here and there, but then it's like he gets a third and seven, third and six, and he's got to rely on somebody else besides his legs, and that's when he gets caught in some trouble. So in my game notes, because I, I like to have a sheet of paper before we do this podcast, I kind of write down like little snippets and little game notes of what I thought from the weekend. Obviously, if you're watching live, you can see this right here. It's my game notes. <laughs> and I, I, I'm I, pretty adamant about this. I've been adamant for several weeks that they should probably fire and move on from Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. It's crazy to say because after Lamar's MVP season, he was kind of the talk of the town for getting a head coaching job. And I think... I almost think I think it's time to move on if you're the Ravens from him. And the reason being, we all know that Lamar is a fantastic football player. At at very least, he's a fantastic athlete, right? And I just don't think at this point, Greg Roman is doing anything to make the situation easier. That He's not scheming guys open very well. He's not designing anything unique and special to utilize Lamar's skills. I mean, you know, what he is doing to utilize his skills is running like quarterback powers. And I mean... If that's all you're gonna do, it's it's pretty bad, you know. Uh, we'll we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah. I I disagree. We with you talked that. about that. Go ahead. Do you want to get into do. it? Go ahead. Look, uh, just two real quick points. Stupid play calls. I don't care if it was fourth and inches and it's like not a dumb play call. Dive. Whatever. Hold on. You hold call on. It. Before you start leading the he witnesses, the, okay, can you just tell ahead, them what happened ahead. before you start calling it stupid and they can decide you for themselves? Can, you can you can lead up to the situation. I'll tell you why it's a dumb call. All right. So we, me and Darian had a very heated text exchange, I think yesterday about this. We're on opposite sides about this, this debate. And it was involving, I think it was a fourth and one call between the Browns and Ravens. And what happened was, I think they're on the 30 yard line. That doesn't really matter. Um, But if you remember, it's the play where there, where you have in the backfield, you have Lamar kind of at almost at a tailback spot. You have a running back at the fullback spot. Um, set off to the side, and then under center is uh, the tight end, Mark Andrews. Now, in previous situations, they've run the snap to Andrews, and Andrews has snuck the ball. And it makes sense because you want to protect your quarterback, Lamar. You don't want him running quarterback sneaks and getting hurt in that stupid fashion. But against the Browns, they ran something a little different. Uh, Andrews takes a snap from under center. The fullback goes opposite side blocking to the outside, and Andrews actually pitches a toss to Lamar. Lamar continues to get a first down. I think it's like six, seven yards. He only needed one. They get the first down, and my initial reaction after seeing that play was, that was a really fantastic play design because I thought, everyone thought it was going to be the QB sneak with Mark Andrews, but instead they ran a toss play, which I've never seen before in that out of that formation, and it worked. So in my opinion, if the play works, you get a first down, Smart coaching, good play call. But Darian disagrees. Stupid. Stupid. (laughs) S-T-O-O-P-E-D. Stupid. Just dumb. Look, like he's the he's the franchise quarterback. And you just said it yourself with Greg Roman running a very vanilla offense, and it's hurting that wasn't vanilla value when it comes to getting paid. Right. But it's a stupid call. Like that's what you do to open up the playbook. Let's run toss to our quarterback. Huh? Like, he, he has the potential to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league, and you're going to risk a first down on a toss play. Like, give me a break. Like, if you're going to do that lineup, toss it to an actual running back. I don't – and I get that where you're going to go with this, where it's like, well, he's a scrambling quarterback. He gets hurt. He can get hit on any of those plays. 
You might, all right, whatever. What I said, you know, off air was there's a difference between when he tucks and runs and he knows where he's going to go because he can read the defense compared to a toss where there are so many more factors of what if the actual team does see that it's a toss. Now he's got a situation of booby miles. Like I need to either make a play or go down. And it's a toss play to your quarterback. He's not a running back. He's not a wide receiver. He is a quarterback. Stick to the running back game with that type of stuff. Call some read option where it's actually quarterback making the decision, not tight ends calling a toss. Same way that they made a stupid call in Tennessee doing a handoff to a quarterback. Like it's just annoying to see back to back. I think that was probably the bigger reason why I was pissed is because it happened back to back. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. Keep him at quarterback. It's four things. And I'm going to forget what the fourth one is by the time I get to number four. Cause I've had, listen, this is a little different. I'm having a little Hennessy during the, during the podcast recording. So this mm-hmm. might get a little sloppy I towards the end. Regular iced tea. Cause we're in the South. We'll just now. pretend like that's Hennessy. That's a big glass of Hennessy, my friend. Um, so four <laughs> things. I already forgot the last one, but the four things are this number one, it worked. So clearly it was a good play call, mm. right? The whole point is to move mm. the chains, get the first down. Second. All right. I forgot what second was. We're going to move on to. Th- <laughs> <laughs> but third, your whole uh, issue with this is that he's your franchise quarterback. He's trying to get paid. Um, you can't be doing that with him. And it's not the coach's responsibility and I listen, I'm pro Lamar, it, but it's not the coach's responsibility to worry about Lamar and getting his bag. That's on Lamar. And if he wants to guarantee that money, bro, you got to sit out. Like, I know that's not your style, but that's what you got to do. And if you're not going to do it, this is the risk you run, plain and simple. And then I know, I you forgot, said it I, yourself, though. Or, they hadn't run. Yeah, you forgot the fourth one. Oh, I remember all of them. I remember, I remember two and four oh, now. Okay, go ahead. Number two that I forgot a second ago, thank you for reminding me, is that the whole point of NFL scheming and calling plays is to be unpredictable. So you're saying, well, why don't you have Lamar running some sort of option play or have a running back in the backfield? If Lamar's running the option, they've seen that look so many times. It's predictable. It's been practiced against. The defense knows how to react. The idea with this play is it's unpredictable. You're trying to catch them off guard, and it worked that way. And then finally, number four, which I forgot at first, I remember now, you as a play caller need to utilize your player's best abilities, right? In Lamar's best mm-hmm. ability, I like him as a passer, but you can't deny his best ability is his athleticism. And if you're going to call an offense that doesn't utilize a player to the maximum potential, then that's on you. And what they did was utilize Lamar to the maximum potential called something that was unpredictable and it worked. So I don't understand where the disagreement comes. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse with this one. I just I don't like that you're lining up your franchise quarterback in the backfield to run a toss to him. The play specifically to me that just didn't it didn't feel right. And I know you said that it's not the coach's job and responsibility to worry about Lamar getting paid, but it is the coach's job and responsibility to make sure that his quarterback doesn't get hurt because who is your backup? And running a toss play that it worked. You're right. They got the okay, first down. Let me ask you this. If they didn't get the first down, would it have been worth it? Absolutely not. Do you would you have a less of a issue with it if this is I don't know, AFC AFC championship game and they're running that play? Is it situational? Yes. You'd be more yes, okay with it, it then? Is week six in the regular okay. season. Yeah, because like you're laying it out on the That's line. Fine. Granted, you go look, I'm a big fan of give it a hundred percent every single time you're on the field. That's not giving it 100%. That's just play calling. Okay. That's not, we're here to win week six, baby. No, like, cut it out. Like, there's a hundred ways that you could have, you know, skinned a cat with that. And I don't think that that was the right play call. You know, I'm not the coach. I didn't make the decision. They did. They got the first down. They ended up winning the game. It works all out. It works out at the end. 
I just I'm not a fan of the call, honestly, with with you lining them up there. They won the game, but again, <laughs> dude, again, they just keep trying to lose this game in the fourth quarter. And yeah. I want to believe in Lamar and the Ravens, but they for every every week so far, all seven games, they've managed to make the fourth quarter dicey. Like they can't put a game away, which is super concerning. Which is crazy because they're a running team first. So you should be poised if you have a lead in the fourth quarter to grind the game to the halt. Are they really? I mean, we don't have to keep talking about the Ravens, but are they really a running team? They want to be they one. They just happen to run. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think they're a fake running team where everybody. What's thinks their identity they offensively are, then? And you look at the box score. Well, it's like everybody thinks they are. And then they look at their box score and there's five running backs that had five carries each for 20 yards. I know. That's not really a running team. That's that's just they happen to have a lot of guys running the ball. But that's why I say you need to fire that dude, Greg Roman, because like, are yeah, they a Roman. passing team? No. Are they a running team? No. Like they're just Lamar doing Lamar. That's it. That's what they are. They're just a th- exactly. I don't know. I I, I want I want to love that team, but they piss me off. All right. Do you want to talk about your poopy Saints, or do you want to talk about how much we hate two quarterbacks? I mean, you could just go with the NFC South. We don't have to talk about the Saints. We know how. Bad they're playing. I, Andy Dalton is uh, just real quick. I guess Andy Dalton is trying to do his best to research his career. It's not happening, unfortunately. And he got hurt at the end of the game. Um, Alave is right now. Go ahead. No, I say so. I, I did not know what happened. So was Jameis ready to play and they decided to bench him, or was he not physically ready to play? He's he's able to go, but the Dalton has looked better. Dalton has looked good in the last two games. And unlike the Patriots, what it looks like. From what I just saw, they stuck with the hot hand. Wait, they, Zappy's in? Zappy, no, Zappy's not in. Oh, Joe's that's in, sad. I just saw. Yeah, stupid. And lo and behold, it's 3-0 Chicago. Uh, but what I meant by it is they, they played the hot hand. Granted, he's still getting a bunch of turnovers, but like he looked good, okay? And Olave is rookie. For right now, he's rookie of the year. Kamara is a shell of himself. Really not too much. The defense isn't living up to the hype that they were supposed to be at the beginning of the season. Let's go on to the two quarterbacks that everybody hates yep. to talk about, but we're going to talk about them. Do you want to vent first? You want me to vent first? You can vent first since it's your team. You have more, I guess, like uh, eggs in the basket because it's your actual team. Yeah, man. I It's so weird. I wonder what the general Q score on Tom Brady is right now because I think when he left New England and went to the, the Bucks, like everyone loved Tom Brady. His Q score was through the roof. And I just think it's just been slightly on, slowly on the decline. I'm just, I'm a Bucks fan, first of all. I'm so done with Tom Brady. I just want him to go away and be out of my life because he's the <laughs> biggest crybaby I've ever seen. From New England to Tampa, when he doesn't, when things don't go right, he throws shit like a fucking toddler and then he blames everyone else. It's never his fault. Granted, is he the greatest quarterback of all time? Probably. But still, like you need to have some accountability and for him to just always fucking blame everyone else, not show up to practices, take off the off season, go to parties. And then just when things go tough, it's just like, whatever. And I will say this, I was more shocked with the loss of the Steelers than I was the Panthers. And I say this because we all know the weakness of this Bucks team is their offensive line. And that Panthers team, while they are terrible, they got to him. That D-line is really good. Brian Burns is probably top five mm-hmm. defensive lineman in the league right now. That's a good line, and that matchup was not in the Bucks' favor. 
Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head with the whole Brady thing. Uh, I think the biggest point of it is some of the stuff that he's doing mm-hmm. off the field. Granted, we don't—I don't care about his personal situation, yeah. his personal life. Like that's not what we're here for. But some of the stuff that he's doing off the field that is not correlating to what he's doing on the field. That whole party on Friday, missed a workout Saturday to play on Sunday. Huh? Like that's like you said, the greatest quarterback of all time. And I don't, there are points and I do this again with the Lakers. Like there are points where I understand your name is Tom Brady and I understand your name is LeBron James. I do not give a shit about the past. I'm worried about 2022. Like we're worried about winning week seven or game four in 2022. Like your resume speaks for itself. Like I get it. You're a champion. But we we can't have you missing practice and then missing a walkthrough and then see me on the sideline yelling at like nah man miss yeah. me with that because I'd have done the same thing I looked at him like who the fuck you yelling at where were you at at practice oh you were at a wedding like and that's just Booger McFarlane was talking about it today too like what it's causing is like situational like like urgency mm-hmm. where th- that pass to Mike Evans yesterday is like oh that's an easy catch but what's he thinking. I have to make this catch. Our offense has been really bad the last couple of weeks. I got to do this. And he's not thinking about catching it right off of his hands. They're all sped up because they're thinking that they should be better than they are. Yeah. And the leader of the team, the captain of the team, is not helping them by any way, shape, or form. Like, he's sinking the ship, Buck style. Like, it's it's a very bad situation right now for them. No, I think – I think It ain't getting better either. You said Keyshawn made that point? Or Booger? I thought it was Booger. Okay. I thought it was Booger this morning. No, I, I think that's a good point because, like, while, you know, we, we watch these guys play on Sunday, they make millions of dollars, it's still a game. And if 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 the expectations through the roof Super Bowl and you're 3-3 three and three and your quarterback's flipping out and there's all this crap around your team, it becomes at some point not fun, right? And things that are routine that you should just do immediately, like that catch, at some point, it's just gonna be so in your head, and I'm I'm with I'm with Booger on that. I don't know. I I the writings on the wall this season. Like, granted, the NFC South is a cre- complete you know dumpster oh. fire. But do I think the Bucks will still make the playoffs? They'll probably still win that division. But if yes. they win it and they make the playoffs, there's not a lot of hope because they can't run the ball, and Tom Brady cannot get out of the pocket, and that that pocket is going to collapse under any any pressure. So. All right, so we already Nobody killed one quarterback. Man. You want to kill another one? Yeah, man. Get get Aaron Rodgers off the stupid microphone. Like, I am just overhearing his monotone, R-E-L-A-X, guys. Relax. Kind of like when you went on your, uh, what was the vacation that you went on? I was vibing. Vibing with nature. He would like that. He's been vibing for yeah, I did, but I didn't like it for three fucking years, right? And like th- this is what we're getting with Aaron right now, where again, the blame is not on Aaron. We keep hearing it's the wide receivers dropping passes. It's Aaron Jones not running the way that he's supposed to. It's the defensive line not getting the pressure. Their secondary is not as good as we thought it was. Savage ain't a real savage. No. Aaron Rodgers, you keep saying that he's the guy. He's the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL. Make your team better. And right now with with your record set up and you got all these other teams that want to bite on your heels, like look too far and all of a sudden the Vikings are better than you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to play them one – all it takes is for them to clip you one game and now you are the wild card team playing in the divisional round. Like 
they got to get their shit together because it doesn't look good. And I'm just sick of seeing his nonchalant, like, I don't really care to be here style of offense. Granted, the loss of Devontae Adams, huge. Changed that team completely. But you can't let a wide receiver be the reason why your entire franchise goes down in the dumps because they look awful right now. Yeah, I mean, regardless of is it his fault, you know, directly, right? He still acknowledged, uh, knowingly took that giant contract and he knew what the ramifications were going to be, right? They're not going to be able to re-sign Devontae Adams once he gets that, once Aaron Rodgers gets that extension and they're not going to bring in marquee free agents. So, I mean, he is partially responsible for all of the collapse, even if he's still playing at a high level. And the interesting thing is, his, you know, we talked about Tua and how he's progressed as far as a, a yards per attempt uh, statistic goes. Aaron Rodgers, I think, ranks in the bottom third as far as air yards per attempt, um, somewhere around 25. So it's just showing that he is unwilling to push the ball. I don't know if it's because his wide receivers stink or he doesn't trust them. Trust. Right. It's just, it's going to be a lot of checkdowns. Um, you know, I still think their defense should be okay. I know that hasn't been super good this year, but they should, on paper with the guys they have, have a good defense. And I love their run game once they get it going. I still think they can probably get this thing together and be a playoff team, albeit the wild card. Um, but again, it's like the Bucks. I feel like if either of these teams make the playoffs, you don't feel strongly about their, their you know, uh, prospects moving forward. Yeah, I know you say you care about the running game. That they have a two-headed horse back there with Dylan and Jones. Yep, twelve carries. I don't know why they get away from it. Yeah, I don't know what's going because on because because it's supposed to be the Aaron Rodgers show. And I, I, I don't want to. They lost the Commanders. Like that's that's yeah. in it itself. Taylor Heineke was the quarterback at the time. The Green Lizard. Uh, yeah. So again, I, I bashed. You know. Um, I bashed, wow, Rodgers as much as I could. You bashed Brady as much as you could. We can move on for something else because those two names are just really annoying to talk about now. All right, yeah. I mean, there's a, like one or two more things I wanted to throw out there. Did you want to touch on the Giants? Because I, I was interested uh, when I was looking up stats today, uh, when I pulled up those Tua stats, there there is an mm-hmm. interesting stat uh, on, I think it's like Pro Football Focus or um, one of those stat-driven websites. And it's called uh, game-winning drives, right? Mm-hmm. So it's basically if you're a quarterback and you, within like the last five minutes, uh, your team goes on a drive and you're the quarterback to to take the lead um, in a in a ball game. And Daniel Jones, at it, I think they have played seven games so far. It's week seven. I don't think they have a buy yet. Of their seven games, of their six wins, he has five game-winning drives, which is bananas. The next second. Um, I forgot who the number is, but it's three. So he has two more than the next player, which is bananas. I don't know if that's a Daniel Jones thing because I know I know the stack goes to him, but it's more of a Saquon thing. Um, <laughs> I still don't believe in this Giants, but you're trying to tell me that I'm wrong, right? Look, you have to look about the actual proof. The proof is in the pudding, right? And eight weeks in, coming into week eight, they've already had their buy the five and one. That oh, my is... bad. I missed the game. Okay. So all of no, their good, all of their wins and all of their wins are from game winning drives. There's they're another six and one. They're six and one. They haven't had their bye. Oh, I was right. All right. Um, it was it was Philly. Philly has had their bye. That's what it was. That NFC East. Um, what I mean by that is like there's pretenders and there's contenders, and right now they're showing the ability to. He's 
showing his dual threat ability where he's running in situations that people forget that he's actually kind of fast and that's helping them significantly in the backfield. Um, they're handing it off to Saquon. We said he was going to have a monster year. They don't have an actual number one wide receiver and they just lost their tight end. I know that he got poked in the eye. It was really bad. That one was too. crazy, dude. But the, yeah, it didn't look good. Um, that's he, why people wear visors. He's, um, I, I, I saw an update on that tight end who got poked in the eye. Uh, he might miss Ellinger. the rest of the season. Like, cause they, yeah, his, it, orbital it bone, his orbital bone got shattered. So Just like talking the, about it makes my eyes water. The bone that holds your eye in was shattered by someone poking yeah. it. Oh, that's just terrible. And I remember when I saw it happen, I was just like, Ooh, that looked ugly. Uh, but their defense is again, playing decent. They're keeping them in games. And the fact that I brought it up, I think it was last week too. He's not turning the ball over. Danny's not dropping dimes all over the place, dropping dimes, dropping dimes. <laughs> But he's not turning the ball over late in games. That was a huge Achilles heel for him in the previous years. And they got Saquon healthy. It's just a recipe for success right now. So I'm not going to say that they're a full contender, but I'm not ready to put them in the pretender category either. One third through their season and they're six and one. So unless they go on like an actual stinker of like dropping four in a row, which I just don't see that happening. You know, they could run, end up in next two weeks or three weeks, eight wins. Now you're literally two wins away from being a playoff team. So anything could happen. Um, yeah. I also wanted to bring up the, the – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to make a comment that it's crazy because this – I don't know who the scheduling gods really loved the Giants, but they're, <laughs> they have such a soft schedule uh, for the next at least – uh, no, the rest of the season, it's it's really really soft. So they could def they're definitely going to make a play at the playoffs. Like I don't doubt that at all. They are playoff teams. I just I don't know if it's sustainable to be in these dog fights every week and pull off these one possession victories. Granted, like it's a good trait to have if your team can fight for what is it sixty minutes and and pull off a win at late. Like that's a great trait to have. But just when you're in the playoffs and you have to win three or four games straight to be a Super Bowl champion, you're going to get caught in one of those games, right? So especially if, when you, if you get to the point where you're playing a Bills or a Chiefs, you know, you have to put up some serious points on the board. I just don't see them being the a team to be concerned about going all the way, right? Like, are they for real a playoff team? Sure. But are they going to make me consider them as a Super Bowl champion? Nah, nah not at all. Like I said, I'm not ready to put them in the contender but i don't want to put them in pretender either they're kind of middling but if you talked about close games and pulling them off pulling off wins we saw this happen last year team made it to the super bowl they almost pulled it off in the super bowl too the the cincinnati Bengals. so it's like it builds it builds character builds steel iron shoppers iron and if they continue playing these style of games it does kind of prepare them for there's usually no blowouts you know what I mean? I think last season was the first, and no, last season was all one possession games, right? Was that the thing? There was no blowouts in last season's playoffs. The most They're exciting close. playoffs They're in like close. the history of the NFL. They were all close games coming down. And like, if you can prove that you can do it in the regular season, it can translate. Again, I'm not putting right. them on the Eli Manning train for a Super Bowl. I'm just saying we got to give respect the same way that we gave. Res- I said give respect to Jalen and the boys in Philly. We got to start doing it for those guys up in New York, both sides, you know, New York. I, mean, I respect uh, the Jets. Giants. I'm pro Jets. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're young. They're young. And I wish I could show my um my monitor, my desktop, because um, I'm, I'm actually, I was the Jets in one of my Madden franchise, online franchises with like eight of us. I picked the Jets, won the Super Bowl. So I have a picture of 
Um, it, I changed his name, but it's actually Zach Wilson holding a Super Bowl trophy, which is hilarious. I don't think it's going to happen. Nah. I'm just saying I think it's hilarious. Um, but, I mean, that's probably for Higgins to be very happy about that. I think that the Jets can be can be pretty decent this year. Just one last thing on the on the topic of the Giants. Like I know you keep bringing mm-hmm. back the Bengals of last year to be like, hey, there are teams that can win these close one-score games and still be successful making the Super Bowl. But it's like comparing apples to oranges. You, We believe in those Bengals, that Bengals offense, albeit their, their O-line's shaky, but we believe in those weapons. Can you can you mm-hmm. say you believe in a single, outside of Saquon, <laughs> outside of Saquon, a no. single person of that offense? No. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I get it. I get it. I'm not a Giants fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... I'm not there to put them in the pretender. I'm not there to put them in the contender yet. They're kind of just like in the middle, trying to figure out what the hell to do with themselves. All right, let's let, let's talk about the Jets because Higgins is here. He's a big Jets fan, oh. and I don't know if he <laughs> saw the news that broke like half an hour ago. They obviously mm-hmm. lost Brees Hall, who was trending towards Rookie of the Year, but within the last half hour, they made a trade to pick up Hoodie. Uh, last trade came in was well, I James Robinson. I, I got you. James Robinson from Chicago. Sorry. I mean, from from Jacksonville. Yes. I know we were talking about it. I even wrote it down. My bad. So, yeah, James Robinson's going from Jacksonville to the Jets to kind of bolster that backfield because the Jets want to be a run first team um, in their heart. And I li- I liked Michael Carter to begin with. I thought he's a good running back. He was good last year. Obviously, Brees Hall is better. But to have Carter and now James Robinson as a two-headed monster – I still really like the Jets' chance. Jets' chances to be successful, make the playoffs, and even potentially win that division. I feel better about. I'm not ready to do that yet. Why not though? Like, why but, not? Why not us? Yeah, right. Um, what I will say is, I feel better about the Jets right now than I did at six o'clock yesterday. Because when Brees Hall got hurt, I was like, ah. Oh. Like I even said it off air, like. Zach Wilson is doing the things that he's doing the things to not lose the game. He's not putting the team on his shoulders. Let everybody else do it. And that's what Brees Hall was doing. Brees Hall was the bell cow to take the pressure off of Zach Wilson, allowing that defense and Quinn and Williams to be absolutely problem in the middle. And when he went down, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't trust that backfield now. But adding Robinson in there, now you can split the time. You know, Carter isn't a 35, a 30 touch running back. He mm. can get 15 to 20, and then you can split it with Robinson and get the other 15 to 20. So, like, that's why I think that they will sh- they should still be okay. Now I want to stomp on Higgins' dreams. <laughs> Zach Wilson is giving me serious Mark Sanchez vibes. Oh, oh no. Like, I... But that defense ain't as good. Don't do that. <sighs> that defense ain't as good. Everyone was all about the Sanchez. Remember how pumped everyone was about the Sanchez in New York, especially when they beat and the Patriots? Remember USC guy Bart Scott? I didn't what, them, what was I the Bart Scott famous line after they beat the Patriots? Oh. Can't wait. Poetic justice. <laughs> I'm getting Everybody vibes, man. Beat. <laughs> I'm getting vibes of those we Jets teams. that sound one day. Because, like, I know I, – I like the Jets roster right top to bottom. I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I don't – I think mostly that run game, the coaching, scheming up some guys, I think that's propelling him to the success. I think we're looking at another Sanchez where, like, it's a, he's a decent quarterback. He's got a good good stuff around him. I just don't see Zach Wilson as, as being, like, the franchise elevator, which is fine. Like, you don't have to – not everyone has to be – Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no one. Ha- not everyone has to be, um, you know, th- that type of guy. So it's it's fine. 
I just, I think I'm finally figuring out who Zach Wilson is. It's Mark Sanchez. Time, time will tell. I'm not going to say that, but I'm not going to put that hex on him. Uh, it's actually not a bad thing as much as people want to call Sanchez. Sanchez was good. He might've been the reason. Yeah, but well, I, mean, I have a question. Definitely the reason why they didn't win the Super Bowl. I have Super a question Bowl. about, about that. Now that we're here on Mark Sanchez, who would have thought talked so much jets in the last two months? Cause I mean, that's our demo, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but Mark Sanchez, do you think if it wasn't for the butt fumble, would people remem- remember him in a better light? Because he wasn't that bad. But the butt fumble yes. ruined his like ruined his reputation. Ruined his life. It, 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 that was Thanksgiving, right? Was it Thanksgiving or Christmas? Oh, God. It was around the holidays, like the Christmas holidays. I think it was Thanksgiving, which made no, it No, 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 no. Was it Thanksgiving? Because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to it was a up. nationally televised it was national. game. And it just happened to be him running into the buttocks of his center. Just uh, and it wasn't even. It was worse that it was the just the fumble. They brought it back for a touchdown. <laughs> like, it's like everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong in that situation. I was like, so oh, man, I'm sorry. Last last week we had a conversation about Draymond that led us into making our frizzes five for this week, which we're doing next, by the way. So hang in there. But I feel like we have something here for another frizzes five. Maybe not next week, because next week we're going to do Halloween theme. The week after, I want the top five moments in sports history that like negatively define someone's career. Like they're always associated with this bad moment. Like, so like a moment that people like stay in their legacy. Like, so for, for example, Dan Orlovsky, when I hear that name, oh, yeah. I just think about him yeah. running out of the end zone. So like some something shitty that someone did that just defines them as a person after that. Like some say yeah, some like, say Ty Lue when Kobe stepped enough. over him. Another one when when yeah. Kobe stepped over Ty Lue. Kobe, no, Kobe was on the Who's, they were on the same team. Who Alan stepped Iverson. over? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they were on the same team. My bad. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. That's gonna be hard to try to find, but I I like it. We can collaborate on that one. Some, yeah, I'm gonna need to do some digging on that one, but I like it. All right. Do you want to? Do you want any, any more football stuff before we head into the Frizzes Five? I think we can go into it. We do this. Yes, All sir. right. Let's do it. Prepare yourselves for the greatest and most unique segment in podcast history. Let's rank some stuff with D. It's time for Frizz's Five. Whew. So we alluded All to right. it just now. So, Last week, we had a conversation about Draymond and about the punch, and it somehow got to Malice in the Palace. And we got <laughs> into talking about Frizz's Five of what, D? So you are going to hear Frizz's Top Five Sports Fights of all time. Of all time. Give him the five. Give I want to do five. like the Booker T five time. Five time. I should do that, right? Five time, five time, five time. But no. And remember, it's not your top five. It's my top five. Hey, the way that we're going to play this too, I didn't rank and because it, the fight itself wasn't good. So if you guys are expecting the Mouse and the Palace to be in the top five, it's not. What? Wait, you, no, 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 no. We have to stop the music. Yeah. I have to stop. No. Malice in the Palace is not because your top five. It, that, the, 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 the fights that I chose were actual player versus player fights. <sighs> that was not a fight from amongst players. That was Ben Wallace getting pissed off at Ron Artest before he was Metal World Peace. That wasn't, that wasn't even a fight. If you guys get the chance, definitely put this one. This one will go on social media. It'll go on Twitter because I want you guys to do research on this one if you haven't seen the fights. Because for me, number five, granted, it was a football one and you typically don't see football fights happen very often. 
AJ Green versus Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if you remember this, but it I was don't. Ramsey when he was with the Jaguars. Obviously, he was very early in his career, and he was chip, chirping him the whole game. Got up underneath his shoulder pads, and then, like, he pushed him. Jalen Ramsey pushed A.J. Green. He walked over to him and put him in a headlock and then swung him down and, like, tackled him. And then, obviously, that's when the fisticuffs happened. I think A.J. Green got in one hook, one hit, but the helmet was on. It was a solid fight where another dude just came in and jumped on the back of A.J. Green. It was a good fight from football because it usually isn't good ones, obviously. But the headlock, again, to me, I thought the shit was hilarious. Uh, so I'd say that for me, that was a great fight for me to watch. I got to look that one up afterwards, but it sounds great. All right, what's number four, D? Number four, we're going basketball with this one. And just because he's the little man, I like that he got in a couple of punches. He even threw a man into the crowd. Nate Robinson versus J.R. Smith. You may not be familiar with this one, but it was Knicks and Nuggets. I think it was J.R. Smith was going up for a layup. Nate Robinson gave him a little bear hug because the Knicks were blowing him out. And it was like, all right, that was a terrible foul. Nate Robinson gets all up in his face and J.R. pushes him. <laughs> this man literally grappled him, threw him into the crowd, and slammed him on a, like, on a fan. Nate Robinson's 5'5". Five, five. And he just picked him up and threw him into the crowd. Went absolute thug nasty for basketball with it not being punches thrown. I thought that was hilarious because this is a little dude taking on somebody that's 6'6". And he literally slammed him into the crowd. Yo, J.R. Smith has one of the most interesting careers I've ever witnessed. Like his whole that career arc. Wild. The from from his earlier days to the time with LeBron, the the meme of LeBron pointing, and now he plays he <laughs> plays college golf now. Go figure. College golf in a D one school, but yes, great fight. Again, these are the type of things that I want you guys to YouTube, Google it after because they're great fights. They're going to be on social media. Number three, I'm pretty sure everybody saw this one: Joey Bass versus Rugnet Odor. You don't sound like you look. Like, you know it. I don't remember this so, one. So, I'll, I'll revamp this one. You thought the punch from Draymond to, to what's the name, Pooh was clean? Oh, I remember this Joey one, actually. Door slides into second base. Yeah, Joey Bats gets up, and he's like, yo, man, what's the deal? And he pushes him. He goes, nah. He left, like, absolutely clocks him. The glasses go flying off. The chain goes swinging. And then, obviously, it's a big brawl with baseball. And, like, put that – that punch was clean. One of the cleanest punches I have. Like his eyes rolled back and his toes curled. And then like at the end, they were just like, oh, he didn't affect me. It's like, nah, brother, you were seeing stars for a quick second because he got you clean. Your whole face was shifted. I got so many uh, honorable mentions. Nice. I got so many honorable mentions after I get, this. Yeah, this is, this is tough. I, I'm not going to lie because like fights happen all the time. They don't happen as often as they used to, like back in the 90s and 80s in sports. And that's where this one is going. For all you old heads that used to watch these type of games, I couldn't even rank him. So I just put the teams, the Heat versus the Knicks back in the 90s. Now, I don't know if you've seen these fights, but one of them was Larry Johnson versus Alonzo Mourning. This one was nice because it was... I think the the Knicks were up in the playoffs. It was the, it was literally like the Eastern Conference Finals or like. Is the, this okay. the Knicks team with like uh, Ewing and Oakley? Yep. Because those are some bad yep. boys. Those John are some bad Starks, men. Yeah, Larry Johnson after he was done playing with with Alonzo Mourning in Charlotte, so like they had bad blood. The first fight was I think Larry Johnson had clipped him when the Knicks were already winning, 
and like Zoe's trying to get the rebound, and he like pushed him. Lonzo Mourning, all Will Smith looking ass. He literally seven footer, pow, got him clean. <laughs> and then LJ came around with his. And back in the nineties, they didn't really throw people out, so like they were swinging haymakers. Those some big ass dudes. And then the next year they did it again, but it was Oakley and Alonzo. No, it was, yeah, it was Oakley and Morning, and that's the one where um, Stan Van Gundy's grabbing, grabbing the, the ankle. Uh, yes, Charles Oakley. Yeah, yeah, and he's being dragged by NBA players because they're all 6'8", 200 pounds. He's fucking dragging them across the ground. And I think later on in that series, another one, a uh, big throwback name, PJ Brown, and the that team was like PJ Brown, Jamal Mashburn, Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning, Eddie Jones. Like that team was deep, right? And PJ Brown got boxed out from I want to say it was Chris Childs. He fucking German suplexed him like into the crowd. He literally grabbed him by his waist and flipped him over his shoulder into the crowd. It's like, oh how do you get better fights than that, man? Like the 90s, I'm yeah. all for it. Um, but the number one fight for me, hands down, give me my drum roll. Andre Johnson versus Cortland Finnegan. I like that one. I like that one. You want to talk about a clean fight. This was it. This was the little pest. Cortland Finnegan was good for like a half a season when he was in Tennessee, and it was this season. Obviously, interdivision rivals, and Andre Johnson was in his prime at this time. He's still 6'3", 220 pounds. The Megatron before Megatron. Dude was a fucking monster. Cortland Finnegan got under his skin, pester, you know, blocking him underneath the chin strap. And then one play, he got him, like, right here. And Andre was like, all right, enough of being Mr. Nice Guy. And the, the big thing about football fights, it's whoever gets the helmet off first wins. And he's like, yep. Grabbed his helmet, Rip that threw shit. it off, gave him a nice little punch right across the top of his head, and then gave him an uppercut on, on his chin. It's like that fight right there, because they both got at it, obviously. And, you know, Cortland gets up swinging his hands like, nah, bro, you just got your ass beat by a 6'4", 200-pounder that was sick of your shit. Cut it out. And then he literally be, be, like was off the face of the earth after that because people were like, we're not going to have this on my team. So I think that fight, for most that was a bad fights one. that usually don't happen, that was a good one because they both got the no. I meant like both were able I meant like bad as like that was people saw like oh that's a fucking fight like that went down yeah. Andre yep. Johnson <laughs> his career after that too like I don't his career went south fast after that he didn't have much he got old quick he was he was a possession wide receiver that was six four yeah and like the game got really quick so like he just he fizzled out not that he wasn't a you know a great talent he's just a big dude and. You know, the, the league went very small after that. So three, like, I'm obviously very disappointed we didn't have Malice in the Palace just because I was thinking of, like, fight, most though. chaos. Well, there was a, a fan got knocked the if hell out. chaos, then, yeah, was that's chaos. That's, right, It but was that's so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. I want to see fans get punched in the face. I don't care what they say. It's amazing. I mean, as long as it's not me. And first of all, why are you throwing a beer on our test? That's... It's your yeah, fault it's getting stupid. punched in the face. Although, you know what's up messed up? He punched the wrong guy. He punched the wrong guy. the wrong guy. He punched yeah. the wrong guy. Have you seen Steven the documentary? Jackson got the right guy. Have you seen the documentary? No. They have this like an hour-long documentary, The Mouse in the Palace. And uh, yeah, it's good. And then some, some dude got decked on the floor by Ron Artest as well. And he's trying to say, I, I was just walking the floor. I wasn't trying to fight anyone. Okay, buddy. That's the guy that got punched by Jermaine O'Neal. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. Some, some guys on the court side. No, no, Artest got him. He Artest got him. They pulled him off, and then the dude like was on the ground. <laughs> he got up, and that's when O'Neal came and did the slide punch. He's like, nah, save the fuck down. 
and he knocked his shit out. <laughs> you know the best part of that story? So after everything went down and they got everyone off the court, you obviously know Ron Artest is a nutcase, Meta World Peace. They're all sitting in the locker room, looking down, you know, hands hands on their knees and their head, you know, on their thighs, just like, damn, that just happened. Ron Artest walks in, sits down with everyone, puts his hand on knees, looks at everyone, and just goes, You guys think we're getting gonna get in trouble for that? And they're just like, bruh. <laughs> they're like, bruh, are you serious? That's Ron Artest for you. He had no idea what it was like. He, out of the league. he no, didn't realize yeah, it was a big deal. That that's that situation is just ugly. You know, I, I'm all for chaos and nonsense, but that got bad. You, there's some big athletes. Like they are six, six. People don't realize. People want to test them. Like that little bitch that tested. I keep cursing, but this it's fight season. But that little punk that tested our test on Sunday. I might. I think it might have been Sunday. Yeah, I, you didn't hear about this. No. What they're doing to Rusty is wrong. We're going to segue into basketball for yeah. for a brief minute, obviously. But like he was leaving from the court to to the you know to the locker room, and like all you hear is "Yeah, go Russ, let's go Russ, let's go Russ." And the same guy that's saying, let's go, Russ, go, Westbrook, you fucking suck. And, like, he walks through the locker room, and then he's, yeah, I got to say that. He has his phone out. Westbrook came back and was just like, what'd you say? And it's like, silent, dead silent. No, 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 what'd you say? And you can hear the people around him, like, it was this guy, it was this guy. And he's just like, yeah, I know. What did you say? And he's like, I know, we love you, Westbrook. And I was like, full bitch mode, man. Like, how you want to say that? And then when he gets there, you clam up, like, that's what's wrong with this world now is everybody's stuck behind their phone, their keyboard warriors. Tell them. I ain't messing with 6'3", 200-pound Russell Westbrook. Like, you got a problem if you think that you're the average size American and you're 5'7", 100, maybe 200 pounds because you drink too goddamn much. But, like, you, you knock you out. If you're not going to say it on the street, don't say it in the game. There's heckling and then there's stupidness. That's, that's how I feel about those type of things. Yeah, Russell's one of those people that – I definitely don't want to get get on his bad side because he seems a little crazy. You know, get get him going. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. He might jump into somebody's crowd. You not not a going. fight, but uh, I thought Miles Garrett and Mason Ruoff was worth a mention. It wasn't a fight; it was a one way. That fight. was up there. Yeah, man. And the, again, he got his helmet off. <laughs> um, what's his name? Mason Rudolph tried to pull his helmet off, and he failed unsuccessfully. And because of that, he got clocked. And then when he got clocked, he tried to complain, like, yo, he hit me with the helmet. It's like, what did you think he was going to do when you were trying to hit him and he had your, your helmet in his hand? I would not approach the man with a helmet in his hand. Like, now, clunk. Like, that's just your stupidity. The last one, I think, is the most dangerous of all the fights. Of all, Malice in the Palace pales in comparison to this. And it's because of one thing. It involves a keep to leap. And I do not oh, want to cross Aqib Talib. He is a crazy man. He will probably shoot you. And when he and Michael Crabtree back in 2017, 2017 were battling, and Talib mm-hmm. grabbed that man's chain. When you first of all, when you snatch a man's chain and rip it off, <laughs> bro, you just stole that man's it's soul. So disrespectful. And Crabtree not only kind of took it like a bitch, but the next time they played, he didn't he tape the chain to his chest so he couldn't grab the yeah, chain he off? Tapes it, he tapes it to his, yeah, he and you know damn well he leaves like, nah, I'm going to take that chain still. He's going to Debo you. <laughs> Yo, Akeem leaves the baddest MF. Yeah, so that was up there. That was up there for me to try to get it into the top five, but they weren't actual fights. 
they were just moments of like he did it and like they grappled each other. And then Crabtree did that block and he blocked him out of bounds and threw him down. And I was like, all right, that's, that's I got another frizz, really potential frizz five in the future. Just hear me out on this one. Top five former football players that you don't want none of this from. Akib Talib, <laughs> Pac-Man Jones, Marshawn, Steve yeah. Smith from the Carolina Panthers. No, don't want none of that. Marshawn Lynch, don't want none of that. None of that. You barking up the wrong tree. You just nope. gave away the five right there. But yeah, I feel you on that. That's that. Yeah, you don't want the smoke. Who was that, who was that wide receiver who, who shot himself in the leg? Probably none of that either. Oh. Remember back in the club, oh, back in the day, way. played for the Colts. Yeah, Plexico. Plexico. No, Plexico no. Burst. Um, breaking news, just for you guys to know: Zappy came in four for four through a touchdown pass. Let's go, Zap. Is it it's Zappy time? Exactly time. Let's go. I, I'm just saying. Bruh, we said it here. We said it here. He's the better quarterback. We got to talk basketball for a little bit, but this is for next week. This is definitely for next week. We're going to talk about some Patriots next week. Super Micah Tease. We're going to talk about some Patriots next week for goddamn sure. Don't, if you're Mac Jones, you better be praying that this doesn't go. Because I know they were losing 10 nothing. If they come back and win and Zappy drives them to a win. You better hope you're not. That doesn't happen if you're Mac Jones because you're not getting that job back. Mm-mm. Pack your bags, pack your bags. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's get into the NBA. I feel like we talked NFL for way too long, but it was good. It was some good talk. Let's just start with the Lakers being trash. That's it. They're trash. You want me to go into? You want me to tell you why they're trash, or do you want to tell me why? Because I I've watched a little bit of Lakers now. It, yeah, zero three. There's not much to defend. Uh, they are exactly who we thought they were. Uh, I still think they're going to finish six seed just outside of the play-in because of the LeBron factor. Such a bad but roster. They are in a rough way. They, yeah, man. Nine, I think the stat was like 19 for 90 from three. They're bad, dude. Next. Like Outside of the top it's two, LeBron and AD. Here's the nothing. thing. Outside of LeBron and AD, they got really nothing. And I don't think, you know, when, the, when, they, when they won the title in 2020... I would probably say LeBron's a top three player in the league. AD was a top 10, like 5-10 range, somewhere in there. Pick your poison. Right now, the 2022 version, LeBron's top 12. He's top five. No, top, he's somewhere between, he's 40, somewhere between 12 and like five, you know, depending mm-hmm. on the day. AD's probably around 15 to 20 at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So they have taken steps back as far as their production and that roster around them so much worse. And it's, it's stinks that they have Westbrook because I don't, I think Westbrook's bad, but not as bad as he's been for the Lakers. And I watched the end of the Portland game. and It's so sad the way they guard him. Do you know who was guarding Westbrook? You don't, you know, cause you watched it. Nurkic. They put Nurkic on Westbrook and he just sat in the paint and said, yeah. okay, okay, whatever. And he wouldn't. He, he's nothing they can do about it. Their roster is number so, one. It's poorly constructed. Sorry to cut you off. And number two, no, you're good. their third best player, in my opinion, maybe is Lonnie Walker, the fourth. It's it's really dire. It's not only just that. It's the and the um, Chicago just do a pick too. Um, not only is it the their roster, the Lakers have lost the fear factor of LeBron James, and the Lakers have lost the fear factor. And they are the butt of everybody's jokes now. 
meaning you see the memes, you see the videos of AD catching the pass in the corner and Nurkic looking at him and being like, I'm not covering you. Let me get this rebound. And then he doinks it off the side of the backboard. And then same thing with the end of the game, 30, 29 seconds left, 20 seconds on the shot clock. Russell, Russell Westbrook, AD and LeBron have barely crossed half court and he pulls up from mid range while they're winning. Like everybody was just like, you gotta be kidding me. I listened to it on the LA network. So like I listened to the LA um, announcers, even they were just like Westbrook, no Westbrook. What are you? Oh, like the disappointment of like, this is just out of hand right now. Nobody fears them. Nobody cares about the legacy. Nobody like there are rookies that will go after LeBron right now because they don't care. It's just that's the type of league that they're well, in. Not they, only they do not care. In. It's like if you're young and you see LeBron, you know he's taking a step back athletically. Get your clout. Dunk on LeBron. Get your clout. Yeah. Yep. I, I do have a question as far as the Lakers because you you are a Lakers fan. You've been a Lakers fan for a long time. I know what my answer would be. But my question to you is, what do you want them to do? Like, if you were the GM today, if you were Palenka, what would you do today? Make the play. Oh, you mean like transaction? As far as your team, like the the roadmap, what is the roadmap as a GM? Like, what is what is your roadmap? The roadmap is to not be in the play-in. You need to get rid of Westbrook, not even for whatever you think the value it is, just what it's doing to the team. And it's not his fault. So you with Westbrook, though, you're going to have to give so up. You're going to have to give up assets. You realize that, right? Yeah, you're going to have to give up a draft pick. You're going to have to give up your whatever first rounder that you have in 2026. You have to do it. You have to move him for something that's going to translate into a shooter. They get they missed out on Buddy Heald. They missed out on an actual package for Kuzma, KCP, and Harrell. Like, they got Westbrook out of it. It's not working. It's never going to work out, unfortunately. And, again, it's not his fault. It's just the team is constructed of all the same players, slashers that can't shoot. And they need somebody, Austin Reeves and Walker and um, the kid that came from Talon Horton Tucker from Golden State are their shooters. They can't shoot on the broad side of a barn. Like literally they're shooting less than 20% from three. It's just bad. So I'm glad you gave that answer because I am going to put my GM hat on and do something completely different. And I heard this alluded to on the Low Post podcast of he hinted to potentially this might be a, a scenario. If you're the Lakers, you going into the next next year, as things stand today, will have 20, I'm sorry, 45, 50 million dollars of cap room if you do nothing. Because you're going to lose the Westbrook contract and basically you're going to be returning LeBron, AD, and one other random player, maybe like Austin Reeves. So you have a completely empty roster. You can do whatever you want to rebuild um, and put put together pieces around LeBron that actually fit. If I'm the Lakers, I know you're like, we got to maximize LeBron's prime. I just bite the bullet this year. Suck. Because if you trade away Westbrook, you're going to trade away assets, right? You're going to trade away con- um, picks. Get Westbrook's contract off the books. Let it expire. Bring in a couple guys, maybe like a Dray. I know Draymond wants to is rumored to want to go there. Maybe bring in like two veteran guys who can help you in like a Draymond, but it doesn't help your shooting situation. But my point being that you'll get the flexibility next year, bite the bullet this year, save your draft picks, and then use them as capital next year. Because if you try to rush into something this year, what's the best case scenario? You burn your assets and maybe make the seven seed. 
Like it's not worth it. The pro the problem is they're not going to do that. I get that that's like an angle. That makes more sense though. Like they would have Yeah, but they would have kept their younger stars if that was their route. They're not a patiently waiting team. They want results right now. They're the Lakers, the same way that they're the the Yankees do their buy as much as they possibly but can. They, it's a salary the same cap way sport. That the it's Dodgers different. Do. True, but like they'll pay the luxury tax. The bus family has no problem with doling out the money for that type of stuff. They are a team that wants results now, not wait for it, which is why they got AD in the first place and why they're in the situation. They got the championship out of it. They're going to be in the situation, cap or no cap, for the next five years. I I say until LeBron's gone. That's what this is. This is going to be your future for the next two to three years until LeBron is out of there. I do have some bad news for you. If you finish a shitty record this year, you don't own your pick, man. The Pelicans, the Pelicans anything. have a pick. Twenty twenty six. I'm pretty sure their their first their next first round pick. Which is what I'm saying. The assets don't mean anything. I think their next first round pick isn't until twenty twenty six. I know. Well, the assets don't mean anything. But the point is that are you going to burn the asset now to make a move for this year where it doesn't look good anyways, or should you retool next year, then burn the asset next year, and then have a better chance of actually competing? Because right now, even if they make a move, I just don't think it's worth it. No, nothing's going to give them higher than a six seed. Nothing. Literally no move in the NBA. All right, let's let's move on to a team with the opposite fortune, right? Because the Lakers are sitting at 0-3. <laughs> let's talk about the Celtics because we are you know, based in New England and we have a lot of Celtics fans. We all thought, well, I mean, I am, but you are from obviously the Boston <laughs> area as well. Um, but we we both had them as like a top two seed, and they have yet to disappoint. They're three and zero right now. Obviously, the, the 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 two Jays are are phenomenal. I think they're probably both averaging somewhere around twenty seven points a game. They've been great the first three games. The teams looked really good. But we did talk before the show, like there are some signs and in, in things to be concerned about, right? Yeah, defense is one of them. Um, granted, they don't have Rob Williams. There's going to be some time until he comes back. Um, I talked about the coaching part of it, where those tougher games where, where scheming matters and getting the most out of your players matters, they're doing it again tonight where they're giving up, you know, more points to the Bulls than any other team has in the NBA. So it's like they they just they have off nights. And if they're going to be – this isn't a hater talk. This is literally just realism talk. If you're going to be the team that you want to be in the Eastern Conference, that the conference is tough. Like you can't have slip nights. You can't have slip nights against bad teams. Granted, they did beat the Magic. They gave up 100 points in three quarters to the Magic. That's – and I know they have a very tough matchup because that's your team, but – you just can't, that's the type of stuff that you just can't get away with, especially in the middle of, let's say, December, January, right before the All Star break, when people don't want to play. And those teams that are not really, they don't care about where they're going to finish in the season. Those are the teams that clip you. That's how you drop from the two to the three or four seed like that. And I think the EMA factor will probably kick in later in the season than it is right now. Yeah, I think like the biggest cause of concern is, and you saw that in the first game against the 76ers, but it didn't bite them in the ass, is they have huge depth issues at the moment at the big position. Um, you know, the first game, I think within, I don't know, six minutes, they had to send Al Horford to the bench because he had, I don't know, two or three fouls already. And without Time Lord until early December at the best, they're going to be really thin at the center power forward position. Um, they're, they're right now, they're counting on guys like uh, Luke Cornett and Noah Vonley to fill minutes. 
And granted, it's worked in the small sample size, but, you know, long term, you're going to keep seeing these big scores against the Celtics, and that's not what their bread and butter is, right? They want to be a defensive first team. I think they can figure it out. Like, I'm not overly concerned if I'm a Celtics fan, only because your your hope is that Time Lord comes back uh, before Christmas and he looks good, he feels good. And you know that by the time uh, the bio market and the trade deadline hits, there's going to be a lot of sellers because we talked in the previous episodes that this draft class is one that's very desirable. So there's going to be those bottom eight teams tanking like crazy. So you're going to have opportunity to get some help come the deadline, come the buyout. Mm-hmm. They have the superstars in place. They, their system still looks like it, it works offensively at least. I still like the Celtics to go come out of the East. I'm not too, too concerned, but... I also acknowledge that there are some flaws in this team. Yeah, I'm not writing them off. Um, the, there's, they literally can only do two things. They can be better than they were last year and they win the NBA Finals, or they can be worse than they were last year and they take a step backwards and miss the NBA Finals. Like their, their ceiling is already high enough. There's really only two outcomes. So it's not like us saying that they're, they have, I guess, like kinks in the armor. It's not really like saying that they're going to be bad. It just means they literally only have two options right now, and that's either win a championship or don't win a championship. And right now, even though they're 3-0, and there are parts of me that looks at the games that I have seen and the styles of play that they played. Like Something's going to bite them in the ass, and I think it's going to be later in the season when they realize that they don't have their coach mm-hmm. helping them out in those tougher games, especially if they don't have the defense to clips it with it. Can I just, can I just take a sec? Can I just get the ball and, and go ISO and just have some magic talk really quick? Yeah, go ahead. All you, bro. That's the Kobe. R.I.P. Get the hell out the way. Let me ISO him. He did that to LeBron and fucking torched him for 40. They but look, yeah, all you, bro. The mic is yours. Go Magic. So I'm a Magic fan. They look like they're about to go 0-4 right now, but like this is a really good 0-4 team. I feel super optimistic hold on, about hold on, hold on, Orlando hold on, Magic. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm going to give you your ISO moment. I could have gone without knowing the record. I didn't know that they were 0-3, about to go 0-4. Yeah, they're losing to the Knicks you right now. Set that up like there was a lot more pride. Well, let me let me get to it. It's like finish your point, but the, the fact that you started that they're gonna start 0-4. We're probably gonna start 0-7. We'll probably go 0-82. <laughs> That's fine. We're gonna tank for Victor Wembanyama. But no, I think for for a team like this, like the goal is to see: do we have some young guys we can build around? And I feel super optimistic. They have their number one overall pick, Paulo. Ben- Bancaro did not know what to expect out of him. You know, I'm always a little harder than Duke guys. This kid's the real deal. He is six foot 10, 250, moves like a small forward, can pass. He can do all the right things. Franz Wagner, no, not his brother Mo, who might not be in the league. He is developed to become like a point forward, really good. Wendell Carter looks good. I just, I see all these guys. I'm like, these are real good NBA players, and they just. One or two players away, and they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the cool thing about this team, right, D, is if you're a Celtics fan, you just saw them play the Celtics. They have these super long lineups with Bo Bowl, Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, uh, Franz Wagner, and um, like Jalen Suggs, where the smallest guy is six foot five, and then the next tallest guy is, I don't know, like six foot ten. So it's a, just a really fun, cool team. I'm telling you, they got a, got a lot of good young players on this team. Of all the rebuilding teams, like you know, like the Kings, your Pacers, all these other bottom feeders, I feel very positive about this team being in the next next year, the year after, like a team to be reckoned with. I'm telling you, 
Yeah, always next year. Good news out of all of that that you just spoke about. They're not ranked last in the Eastern Conference. That would be the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, you want to go? There is some momentum (laughs) and positivity there. I I don't want to get on the 76ers for that. I'm just saying, look, I I like Ben Caro. I really do. Um, I'm not a Duke fan, but I I liked watching him when he was there. I think he is the real deal. Writings on the wall that he'll be a Laker in four years. That's besides the point. No. I, I think they will have, you know, the same written playbook as the thunder as the um i think the teams you had mentioned were the kings the thunder the rockets uh, a lot of teams out west that are just very bad i don't see them being like the Cavs. i i, I really don't there's a giant step that needs to happen and that's the star factor Bancaro i think paulo i think paulo's that star. star i think he's that star it's not going to be right away though that's the thing is is he might be that kind of guy he might be that type of player two years it's gonna take him at least yeah i was gonna say it's gonna take him at least two three years for it which is fine but like you're also gonna lose players in the middle of that time like are you gonna be able to keep wagner like you were saying no they will so the thing is you know in the nba you get your first four years under contract and almost always they resign for that another four years so you usually have a guy at least eight years give or take if you want him and you're willing to pay them so Franz, this is his second year, so we're. I'm. I'm hoping like we get another six years out of him. Uh, Wendell Carter just resigned for four years, so we have the guys locked in long term. Just one sidetrack is I. Can I say Kai's just dropping F on I fucking hate Jonathan Isaac. He's the bane <laughs> of my existence as a Magic fan. He's such a waste of talent. Do you know? I looked it up today. You know when the last time he played was? Probably like three years ago. The last time he played, just for a point of reference. Tom Brady was preparing to play on the Titans with the, as the Patriots in his last game. Mm-hmm. It's been three years, man. Like, yeah, what no. is going on with your leg? I see his name all the time in every single video game when 2K drops, but he just doesn't play. No. So I don't, I don't get it. Um, very talented, big, obviously, when he's on the court, 6'10", with like a 7'7 wingspan. He can shoot from the outside. He's a great defender on the inside. It's just he's not on the court. The best ability is availability, and he never is. I don't think he even uh, so yeah, wants they, to play, to be honest, at this point. We'll be surprised. Three years away from the game is a lot. Like That's that's a very long time to be away from the team atmosphere, away from the actual game, he also, actual like, playing ball. He's also busy promoting his book. He wrote a book about how he stands for the anthem. So, oh. he's Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, that, I forgot that was a big thing. That was him. Um, But this segue, this awkward segue, I just want to do – I just want to point out <laughs> – um, there's I'm also, glad you got the time, man. Like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with you talking about the magic. They suck. They the suck, Lakers man. Too. Whatever. We both have the same record. It's fine. But this rookie class, like, just really quick, is mm-hmm. everyone was down in this rookie class coming in. Like, this is a weak rookie draft class. And the top five guys outside of, like, Chet, obviously, because he's injured, have been phenomenal. Like, this rookie class is surprisingly really good. We talked about Paulo. Um, you know, Jabari Smith struggling a little bit in Houston, but Houston's a mess. It's crazy. So Jabari's putting up like okay numbers. Um, he, he's like what 13, 15, six and one as his as a spread, but he's shooting thirty percent. They're just guns away there. But after that, um, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, Benedict, um, not Cumberbatch, <laughs> Benedict Mathurin. Um, you know, guys are all scoring at least eighteen points a game, five rebounds, couple assists, shooting. Within the in the fifties after the first three games, so I'm just saying like for those bottom feeding teams that we're talking about the Magic, the Kings, the Pacers, positivity because this draft class is looking way better than you thought it would be, 
you might you might have found a franchise player, and if you're going to get another guy in this upcoming draft that's supposed mm-hmm. to be strong, you know we could see give it three years, tides turn where all these top tier teams are at the bottom and bottom to the top. Saw that with I think it was the Kevin Durant draft. KD was KD and Odom, right? Uh, Odom, yeah, yeah. KD and and Odom, Greg Odin, Greg Odin. Wow, Lamar Odom, Greg Odin. Nailed um, it. That happened where Westbrook got drafted first. They were middle ground kind of thing, but like he's still a superstar in the making. And then they got KD right after. Yeah, I mean Odin got sure Westbrook- Odin went first. No, I meant I meant just in general though. Westbrook went to OKC first and then they got uh, KD. I got you. I got you. About, yeah. Um, like where you have a superstar in the making, you know, kid out of UCLA, very fire crack, you know, firecracker athletic point guard. And then the, you cut, you're like, oh, we have a star here, but like he can't get us over the hump because he's still young. And then you get KD. Now it's like, wow, we got two superstars in back to back drafts. That's where this could potentially happen, where, like, if this class does turn out to be decent, um, you know, time will tell with all these players. It's always weird when you see these type of classes come up because, like, they're, it's just a new athlete. When you're throwing, you know, ball between your legs and dunking it in midair, like, a th- like a, you know, between the legs dunk in the middle of the game, that's a different type of person. Like, they're not missing the moment. They're ready for it, but they're also social media-style moment players. So, like, maybe they have – the gall to be that next tier superstar because they're ready to pull this type of shit off in the middle of the game. You know, I wanted like we got to get here soon, but I, I wanted to do the Alabama thing with next week. Oh, yeah. I know week, we, we got to hit up college football next week. It was it was a down week this week. We I wish when we did the NBA preview show we talked college football because that week was dope. It was like the Tennessee upsetting Alabama. That was a, a great week for college football. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the LSU game. Tigers. You guys are ranked again, so good on yes, that. Yes, sir, baby. Ole Miss can't beat LSU. I know they can't, but that's just that's just part of it, baby. It's always gonna be go tigers. Broncos country. Let's ride. It's not an episode if I don't play the sad Broncos country. <laughs> let's ride. I'm sorry, Russell, but yeah, they are in trouble too. He's given up but, that by the way. He's done with the Broncos country. Let's ride. Good. We're not gonna give up on it. We're gonna make sure that everybody remembers that shit. Broncos country. <sighs> Let's ride. Let's get at. Let's get the lad here. Good episode, D. Good talking to you. Yes, Always good for the fans. Appreciate y'all watching live, following the podcast, listening. Um, just do us a favor, rate, review that bad boy. All right. Big facts. Uh, more importantly, since we're gonna not gonna be here next Monday, we'll be here next Tuesday. Y'all have a happy and safe Halloween out there. If y'all got your kids going out there, make sure you check that candy. Dad tax is a real thing. Make sure that you eat it first before they get theirs. Facts and goes happy.